Hello, and welcome to Heartline Ministries, a one-hour televised program and audio podcast where we take the timeless truth of Scripture and apply it to hearts and lives in the 21st century. Join Pastor Harold Noyes of Community Christian Church in Athens, Vermont, and Pastor Timothy Golden of Life on Main in Charlestown, New Hampshire, as they bring the light and life of God's Word to current situations and experiences. Now here are your hosts, Pastor Harold Noyes and Timothy Golden. We've been going through the book of John and kind of going at a snail's pace, I think, <laughs> at times. But we've been going through the book of John. And Tim, today we're going to be hitting the feeding of the 5,000. And, and I'm excited about this because yesterday I had some free time and I took all four Gospels. And this is one of the instances that is mentioned in all four Gospels so that each one of them give their their point of view or the way they saw it mm-hmm. and give it to us. So there are a few differences because of their personalities, because of who they are, because of what they saw. It's like having two witnesses of an accident. You know, each one will have a different version of what they saw. Yeah. And and I think some of the, the differences from the four perspective to me is really telling mm-hmm. as we look at this. And, and I'm kind of excited about show, sharing the different pictures that mm-hmm. each one of the gospel writers give. Yeah, because there are differences, they're not contradictions. Right, and that's exactly right. That's right. I mean, it certainly does not do anything to hinder. As a matter of fact, in my view, it does everything to enhance mm-hmm that this truly is the Word of God. Well, it's kind of like, uh, I remember being in Bible school, we had one professor, and uh, I think it was, actually it was for the class called the Gospel of John, uh, now that I think about it. And what he did is he shared the analogy of, you know, you have four blind men and setting them loose on an elephant, neither of which had ever seen an elephant before, right? And, but what they did is they had to go and they had to grab hold of the elephant and define what the elephant looked like. Well, one grabbed the tail, one grabbed the leg, one grabbed the trunk, and one grabbed an ear. And each of them it described the elephant based on that thing they grabbed. Yep. And any one of those on their own would give you a very faulty picture of what an elephant really is. Right. You really need all four of their perspectives to really find out what that elephant looks like. And it's, kind of, and it's that way with the gospel. And I think, yeah, I do. I think, you know, I mean, if you look at Mark's writing of the gospel, he's going to write it in the perspective of a servant. Mm-hmm. Dr. Luke is going to write in perspective of being a physician, which would be, you know, looking at every detail, mm-hmm. you know, and seeing the details. Matthew would be as a, as a Jew, writing it to us and then of course you get John's uh, as as Jesus um, best friend and and someone very close to Jesus mm-hmm. but each one has a different picture right. as to what they saw mm-hmm. in regards to the feeding of the 5,000 so I'm I'm excited about it because each one have very telling differences yeah and also their audiences you know yeah. even apart from their own personalities each was writing to a totally different audience um, and so the, the their personality the rationale for what they wrote and how they wrote was uh, very distinct. Though it's not to take away from the fact that it was still divinely inspired exactly. by God. Exactly. And, and to me, that's one of the, the beauty of it is, you know, I mean, both you and I as being long-term pastors mm-hmm. for a long, long, many, many years now, um, how many times have we preached out of a portion of Scripture 
And each time we preach out of that portion of Scripture, we do not preach exactly the same message every time. Right. Because God is going to illumine to us and enlighten us and show us mm -hmm. another aspect of it yeah. that we did not see the first time or the second or third or fifth time. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I'm finding it very true as I'm preaching, you know, the Word of God, that, wow, you know, it just seems like each time I read it, it's just a new... There's, there's something new there for me right. that the Spirit of God just points out. And, and, and I find that that's the same thing with these four Gospels in, in writing this account. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a, a new part here. And, and yesterday, as I got to look through all four Gospels, and, and I wrote it all down. I got a page and a half of notes. I wrote it all down because I just thought that they were very telling. Mm -hmm. as how they looked at it and saw it. So, you know, we're going to try to share some of those differences. Not that it takes away, but in my view, it adds to the fact mm -hmm. that this is the Word of God. Exactly. And God is going to give you the picture He needs to give to you mm -hmm. using these four, these four penmen, um, scribes as they are. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to open in prayer, and then I'm going to have Pastor Tim read the first 14 verses of John chapter 10, uh, John chapter 6, excuse me, uh, having to do with the feeding of the 5,000. Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful word. And Father, I thank you so much that each time we read it and when we read it, especially in the Gospels, where you have four very vivid accounts of the same um, miracle that Jesus did. And Father God, help us to, to tie them all together to make the word of God be more complete to us as we read these accounts. So Father, bless our time. Be with the, the, the ones who are watching or listening. Be with us as we minister the Word of God. Help us to do it uh, through your Holy Spirit. And teach us, please. Teach us in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Tim. Starting at verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men who had seen the sign that Jesus did said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Wow, what a, once again, fantastic uh, picture, very vivid picture, uh, you know, that we can, 
just seeing our mind's eye. And, and I like to try to picture scripture in my mind's eye as yeah. the people sitting on this hillside, nice green grass, soft grass, and a multitude of about 5,000 men, mm -hmm. which means that probably, I think you could say that there were 15 or 20,000 people. Do you get that? I mean, is that what you see? Because you've got women, you've got children, you've got, children, you got you know, and, and so I think that it's telling that he that goes and says 5,000 men, but you have them all sitting there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as Matthew goes and says in verse 2, a great multitude, and then you go up and you see in verse 5, he saw a great company coming to him. You know, so, so you know that there was a massive group of people there mm -hmm. and you know I try to picture myself what would I have done as I was one of the disciples mm. would I have had the same response that these disciples had looking at the mass of people and as Jesus is ministering to them now the day is becoming far mm -hmm. spent what do you say to him right how do we respond do we say the same thing that they said master it's time for you to send them away let them mm -hmm. buy their own stuff you know, and things like that. I mean, right. well, I think it would be the natural response of anybody, because as they as they said, to have that many, and let's even just say, for argument's sake, that there weren't the fifteen twenty thousand. Let's assume for a minute that it was actually just men that were in this group, which I would find hard to believe. But right. let's say that there was really just five thousand men. How much food did we have? Five loaves of bread and two fish. Right. 5,000, 5 million really makes no difference. A miracle was needed in that situation. And to look at it, any one of us would have looked at the situation because the, thi the problem with reading scriptures like this is we, we know the whole story. Right. They did not. This was unfolding before their eyes at that moment. And so if you are dealing with the fact you've got all these people, it would not be on your radar that, oh, we, we have everything we need to feed these people because we got Jesus here. Right. Your natural response would be, there's 5,000 people. There's no way we can afford to feed them. There's not enough money in the purse for this. So the only other response would be, let's be considerate of them and have them go home, get their food, eat. And we're not saying we're not going to be here when they come back, but... We can't feed them. It's not right. possible. Right. And so said, and then I just love the way Jesus responded. So what do you think we should do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just it's just so classic. Yeah. Um, you know, because Jesus could have just started right off saying, look, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to take care of this. Right. But he wanted them to come to the realization. I think it was so important that he brought them to the reality of what was before them, of what their senses were providing them. Well, we have an an insurmountable task ahead of us that we cannot achieve. And Jesus was trying to help them understand, but this isn't about you. Yep. It's about what I can do. Yep. And that was the lesson he was trying to teach them. Now, everything that Jesus did was about teaching the disciples. It wasn't even just about ministering to people. It was about teaching the disciples the vast um, truths of what the kingdom of God is really like. You know, I was thinking as you were talking, you know, in the, in the book of Acts where Peter and John go, and they find this lame man. Mm. And the lame man says, give me arms, give me arms, give me arms. And Peter answers him, silver and gold have we none, mm -hmm. but such as we have give I thee. Yeah. And to me, that goes very well al along with this. Because what does Jesus say to them? If you read all four accounts, you find that Jesus says to them, give me what you got. 
Give them what you got. And isn't that the way that we as Christians ought to be? Mm-hmm. Give them what we got. You know, you know. Some people say, "Well, I don't have, you know, I I don't know a whole lot of theology. I don't know a whole lot of this. Give them what you got. Mm-hmm. What is your testimony? Yep. Share your testimony. Mm-hmm. Share that which God gave you. You know, and God can use that. Mm-hmm. And and I see that in this very same thing. In looking at Mark's gospel, for example, you know, you have you have in John John six, and, and the guys are really concerned about the people. What are we going to feed them? Send them home. They're going to be hungry. We've been hungry. They have not had anything to eat, right? according to the other Gospels. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is this? What I find interesting is Mark goes in his account in Mark 6.34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Now, John doesn't mention that. Right. But I find it very interesting. Here's Jesus having great compassion on the people. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who would just read the Gospel of John, you'll say, oh, Jesus get, just gathered the people around, had them sitting in groups of 50 or 100, and he just started feeding them. Well, wait a minute. There was another food that he was giving them. Right. And according to Mark's gospel, and that it, that he he was teaching them many things. And and I really find that interesting. That no, Jesus did not waste an opportunity mm-hmm. to share the gospel with people, mm-hmm. to share the ministry with people. In fact, Doctor Luke goes in chapter nine, verse eleven. It says, he spoke to them concerning the kingdom of God and healing. Mm -hmm. So, wait a minute. If you read John, it doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. So, would we miss the fact that Jesus was ministering to these people? Mm -hmm. You know, and not just simply giving them a free meal. Right. But how many of us would read just the John Gospel and say, oh, Jesus just gave out free food. Mm -hmm. You know, he was known for that. Wait a minute. No, he taught them. He ministered to them. Mm-hmm. And specifically, Luke says, because being a doctor, he's going to be yeah. good for particulars. He says, no, he taught them about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, there's no way that we could read this any other than mm-hmm. certainly he ministered the word of God to them. Yeah. I remember years ago, I, I spoke at a uh, rescue mission down in Springfield, Mass. Patty and I went down there. And a good friend of mine was the director of the rescue mission and asked me to speak a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I went down there, and one of the things that I was always amazed at with the rescue mission is before they would feed them, they gathered together and they had a devotional. Mm-hmm. Because their, their theme was, oh, we will feed you physical food, mm-hmm. but we're going to feed you the spiritual food. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding that that's what Jesus did here. Yeah. There's no way that we could say, well, Jesus just had compassion on them. They were hungry people. And he just lavished them with bread and fish. And that was it. No, right. he lavished them with something much greater than that. Mm-hmm. And that is the kingdom of God and what it takes to get into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he taught them and he ministered to them. So let us not just look at John's gospel mm-hmm. and say, well, Jesus never taught them or Jesus never explain the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Yeah. And not only that, but also looking at the condition that they were in. 
Because like you said, in that passage out of Mark 6, started off that Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you know what, you guys have been putting forth a lot of effort. Let's go. Let, let me take you alone somewhere so you can rest. Yeah. So that was the purpose for them departing to this location. Mm-hmm. But the multitudes gathered anyway. So you've got the fact that Jesus and the disciples were tired. They yep. were physically drained. And we need to take some time just to rest and recuperate for a little bit. And then when they get there, here's this multitude gathering. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter how they felt. Yep. Jesus wasn't concerned about how fatigued he was. His ultimate concern was these people. Yep. So then, as you said, it wasn't just to care for them, but to go and to go at length to teach. This wasn't a little 20-minute sermon yep. that you went to church yep. on a Sunday morning yep. for. It wasn't a sermon at it. it, it started, and they said, he taught about the kingdom, he ministered. You got 5,000 people, you're ministering to 5,000 people. That's going to take a while. Yeah. In fact, it says in Mark's gospel that, um, where was I saw that? It said um, down there, when the day was now far spent, yeah. that his disciples said to him, the hour's late. And so now this is where the miracle of the five, you know, feeding of the 5,000 takes place. It's at the end of the day, after they already were fatigued before it started, went through, preached, went through, ministered, and now the hour was really late. Hours of this has been going on. And now Jesus has moved with even more compassion yet again. It's like, no, we're going to take care of them. Yep. So. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I really love it. I, I just, you know, as I read this, in all four Gospels, you know, in the different accounts that each writer gives to us. You know, John doesn't mention the compassion, but Dr. Luke and Mark do mention Mm -hmm. the compassion that he had on them, that he looked at them and he saw that they were needy people. And especially where, where, you know, Luke says that they were as a sheep without a shepherd. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, these are some lost people. Mm Mm-hmm. And they need someone to lead them. And that's why I am here. And it's seeing how hungry these people were. It wasn't just that they were coming out just because they had nothing better to do. Right. The fact that it's now at the end of the day. So they've now spent, these people have spent all day just taking in the spiritual food. Right. You know, taking in the teachings of Jesus, not really have getting any real strokes themselves at this point. Jesus is just taking time to teach them, and they are so hungry for his teachings, they stick around. Yeah. And knowing that they can't jump in their car and go home. Mm-hmm. Many of them traveled a distance just to hear him, and the day is now late, and it's going to take them a long time to walk home. But you know what? These people didn't care. Right. What he said was so important to them to take in. And so it's not just that they were sheep without a shepherd. They were sheep desiring a shepherd. Right. And they were finding it in Jesus. Yeah, you know, I, I find it interesting. There's, a, there's an instance or there was a time as a young, after I got saved, I got saved at the age of 19. Mm-hmm. And my church, or the church that uh, I was fellowshipping in where I, got, where I got saved, had rented a camp for a weekend. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a youth retreat at this camp. There was probably about 80 to 100 kids there. And they had uh, 
uh, the Envoy Quartet there, and there was a couple of other singing groups. And and when come Sunday morning worship, I mean, it was just a fabulous worship, you know, with the quartet singing and then Pastor Sherm preaching. And I mean, the Spirit of God was just moving marvelously and wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And when the service was all over, the dinner bell rang. You know, they had a big spaghetti dinner for us and all that. Nobody moved. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us. We didn't want to eat. I mean, we were just so saturated mm-hmm. with the power of God and the, and the Word of God mm-hmm. that all we wanted to do is just spend time there. Right. You know, and I don't know what they did with the spaghetti, whether they threw it all out or whatever, but, but there wasn't a kid, none of us kids moved. I mean, mm-hmm. we just, no, we're going to stay here because something's happened here. You know, and it was just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today in our churches, yeah, I mean, I, I preach fairly long. I preach 40 minutes or something like that. And it's a, you know, not many Sundays don't go by where somebody says, well, that was a pretty long sermon today, wasn't it? You know, wait a minute, you can't spend an hour and a half, mm-hmm. you know, worshiping and hearing the Word of God. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. we have but become they, so sensitized. But yet they'll sit down in front of their television set for three hours yeah. in the evening and not think twice about it. Yeah, right? I mean, I find it so interesting. You know, I mean, I'm going to preach so I'm done, folks. That's all there is to it. Um, but, you know, so I think the disciples were looking at that. Master, it's getting late. You know, Master, you got to wrap this up. You know, mm-hmm. we got to send these people home. And by the way, we're hungry. And they're hungry, yeah. you know that kind of thing. And and Jesus was not moved by that, right? You know, he was not. No, I've got a job to do, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it till I'm done, right? You know, and I and I really found that that was just so marvelous, so wonderful. So here in John chapter six, we're going to get back in John six. Here in John six, he, there was a great multitude, and then we found that he looked up. There was a great company. Verse five. So there's five thousand at least. Many, many Bible scholars are saying there's probably somewhere between fifteen and 20,000, mm-hmm. you know, because you get the women and children and so forth, and you have all of that. So, you know, why were they there? They were there in verse 2 of John 6. Great multitude followed him. Why? Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Mm-hmm. They saw the miracles, so they wanted to follow this miracle worker. Now, were they simply following, hoping that Jesus would touch them and fix them, where, whatever it was that was bothering them, whether it be a, a mental disease or a physical disease or, or something? I mean, I have no idea. Were they just hoping that he would pay attention to them? Mm-hmm. Is that why they were following him? But one of the things that we found out in in doing our studies is this. When God gives us a sign or God gives us a miracle, it is always to teach us something. Mm -hmm. And certainly we're finding here that they came to follow him because of his miracles. But what was Jesus' intent? Jesus' intent was to teach them, Mm -hmm. to open the word of God, to teach them what it means to be a part of the kingdom Mm -hmm. of God. And to me, I'm so excited you know, to be able to tell everybody, I am part of the kingdom mm-hmm. of God, yeah. right? When I came to know Christ as my Savior, or oh, you're part of the kingdom of God. When you took Christ as your Savior, you became a part of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, my youth group, back when I was a kid, just get saved, our youth group called ourselves the King's Kids. 
because mm-hmm. that's who we were. That's who we are. Yeah. yeah, and we knew ourselves to be that. We are the king's kids. Yeah. And Jesus wanted to share with these people what it is to be in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And again, there's probably a good share of them that were probably just there seeking what, what he could do for them. Uh, and there would be no reason to think otherwise, mm-hmm. beca- even from that, con- that um, statement that Mark mentioned, that they're like sheep without a shepherd. Well, what are sheep without a shepherd? What they do is they simply feed their face, yep. and it's all about self-gratification. And they don't pay attention to anything. And they don't pay attention to anything, Mm-mm. and they'll walk right off the edge of a cliff if, if, they're, if somebody isn't there to lead and guide and direct. Right. And, but what they're there to do is their only goal is to feed their gully, yep. right? And, and just to eat uh, of the greenest grass that they can find. And so I think he, he maybe a piece of this is that he's expressing the heart of the people. Yeah, you know what? They were coming to get their own, what they saw as their own personal needs met. Yeah. But, you know, I I know where that's going to lead them if I just let them seek that. So I am going to actually be a shepherd to them. These sheep may not know they need a shepherd. Right. But I'm going to be a shepherd to them. And that's why he took this time, I think, to teach them, to explain to them the kingdom, and then do the healing. Because he knew if if he just did the healings first, they probably all would have just got up and said, there, I'm done, and left. But I like the, the order they put. It's like he taught them about the kingdom of God and, and, and healing. And healing, yeah. Right? So I almost take that to mean that, yeah, he taught them first, as long as he had the captive audience. Yep. And then he ministered to the needs. Right. And then, as I said, then he goes on to feed them afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I just find it so interesting. And, and you know, none of them did Jesus say, now this is Jesus, to none of them did Jesus say, all right, Get up and leave. I don't want, you know, I, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Now, the disciples, on the other hand, what did they say? Mm-hmm. Send them away. Send them away. Send yeah. them away. Why? Because they weren't seeing the whole picture mm-hmm. as Jesus sees the whole picture. And I think that, there's a, that, that we need to become cognizant mm-hmm. of seeing through the eyes of Christ and not just through our physical eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think all the more reason, too, why it's so important for us as believers to make sure that we are constantly tuned into the voice of God, for him to speak and for him sometimes even to change course. Because, again, not forgetting, he had just got done telling them, let's get away, you need to rest. And then they get away, and what do they do? They don't rest. Right. All of a sudden, we're, hold it, Jesus, I thought you you brought us over here so we could just kind of have a little bit of R&R here. And we're just doing more of the same. What what gives with us? You just said, but now you're saying. Hmm. And it's understanding that we need to move in accordance with how God's moving. And God will always move according to his heart. And at this point, it caused a change of course when the people showed up that we need to minister to them. You know, that, that just reminds me of an instance in my life. Patty and I used to go down to Myrtle Beach every so often, you know, just for some hour and hour and all that. And somehow, and I don't know how this all happened, but someone knew that that, that I was a pastor. Mm-hmm. And here I am laying on the beach, you know, trying to get some hour and hour, and the person comes and says, oh, do you mind if I lay my towel next to you? I said, no, fine, you do that. Love to have you. And... Then discussion started. Oh, I heard you're a pastor. Um, I have some questions. 
Now, I did not say to that person, well, you know, I'm on vacation. Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, no, what did I do? Bring it on. Uh-huh. You know, even though I'm on vacation, guess what? I still want to share the, the gospel of yeah. Christ. You have the disciples saying, Master, we're tired. Master, we're tired. And here's Jesus saying, oh, you ain't that tired. You know, right. we still got to minister to people. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is really what has to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I just find it so interesting. So now you have, okay, you have this. Now you have, and the Passover, peace of the Jews, was near. So Jesus, of course, when he was teaching them the kingdom of God, according to Mark, or Luke's gospel, excuse me, I wonder if he taught on the Passover mm. because of, you know, having to do with the blood, having to do with the passing over, you know, the, the death angel passing over you because he saw the blood. And I don't know. I don't know if that's what he taught. I have mm-hmm. no idea. But John seems to think it's interesting that he brings over the Passover. The other three gospel writers did not mention the Passover. Mm-hmm. But I thought that's why I find it interesting as yeah. John brings this out. Is that what Jesus taught as far as the kingdom of God is concerned? I don't know. But is that a possibility? I certainly think it is. Mm. And that's why John brought this out, that the Passover was nigh. So it's fresh in their mind. Here's a, here's a fresh topic mm-hmm. that you're thinking about as Jewish people. You know, when I get home, I got to go prepare because the Passover is nigh. So what does Jesus do? I think Jesus goes and he teaches them and prepares them for the Passover. Now, that's just supposition on my part because only John mentions it, the others do not. And, but that's, to me, that's the beauty of the Gospels. You know, because John says this, Mark says this, whatever. So that's just a possibility. I'm not saying that's exactly what he did. So and then Jesus lifts up his eyes. This is verse five. Sees a great multitude and he tests Philip, mm-hmm. right? And he says, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? So Philip, what do you think we ought to do? How, how close is the nearest village? A mile, two miles, five miles? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's a long ways away. Yep. Um, so Philip, you want to take a trip? I'm sure Philip's saying, hey, I'm tired. I don't want to go walk another five miles. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm pooped, right? So, and we know in verse 6, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. So, Philip, here's an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. What do you think we ought to do about it? Should I send you guys out to go buy food? Oh, we're tired, Master. Master, we're tired. Let them go out and get their own food. Mm-hmm. Let them spend their own money. Uh-huh. You know, and I'm sure Judas was sitting there beside him, <laughs> by the way, and saying, yes, Master, let them spend their own money because I, you know, I, if I take it out of my pocket, that means I can't have it, right. you know, because you know that he was pilfering. And, you know, that kind of thing. So they were, they were kind of, Master, let them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus knew what he was going to do, and, and, and we find that in verse 6. So he knew how he was going to, to take care of them. Um, I find it very interesting, Andrew. Hmm. Now, Tim, uh, let, me, let me just ask you this. In Andrew's response, do you think he was testing Jesus? Or do you think he was being sarcastic to Jesus? Or do you think that he really was looking for Jesus to do a, a miracle in, you know, in verses 8 and 9? 
you know, because he goes and says, oh, I found this little lad who has uh, five loaves and two fishes. Mm -hmm. Master, can you do something with those? I mean, what are those compared to 5,000 people or 20,000 people? What I hear in that is is almost the words of an old song. I think it was um, actually the Gaithers that wrote it many years ago. Uh, the song was entitled, I Believe, Help Thou My Unbelief. Yeah. And, uh, and I, that's kind of what I hear in Andrew's response, that there's this level of, well, we can't go anywhere, so let's take a look at what we've got. Well, this is what we have. So there could be that aspect of, here's something for you to work with, Jesus, but then it's almost like reality kind of kicks in. Yeah. It's like... But the reality is, this is going to go nowhere. Yeah. Really. And because it mentions there earlier, because uh, Philip's uh, response was what? 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. And we know from Scripture that a denarii was the equivalent of a day's wages. Days, yeah. So, you're, so you've got so many people, it would take over half a year to earn enough money to be able to feed these people one meal. Yeah. And that's just a little bit, according to Philip. Right, right. That's just so everybody could have just a little something just to tide them over. Yeah. This wasn't to feed them a real meal. And uh, But then, like I said, though, I, what I hear is Andrew's response almost as a rebuttal to that. Because uh, he's basically saying, there's no way. And But he's quick to say, yeah, but we got this. At least we got something. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not sure it's going to do anything. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I think of my own life, how many times I've been that way, you know, when God, you know, you, you feel that tug of God on your heart to do something or, or to act a certain way. And in faith, you respond, yes. But then quickly on the heels of that is, but I'm yeah. not sure. You know, I mean, in the reality, how can this really transpire into anything? And then all of a sudden, we let our finite thinking begin to take over. And that's why I hear in Andrew's words. Yeah, and and that's, you know, me too. I mean, how many times have we been in a situation where we saw somebody uh, that was destitute? Maybe they were broke down on the side of the road, Mm -hmm. whatever the case, and you stop, and they need gas or they need something. And, you know, they tell you, well, I really don't have enough money for gas. Mm -hmm. So you look and you bill for it. Yeah. Well, I got a five dollar bill here. Uh-huh. Well, how much? Well, today, how much gas yeah. is that? Not much, but still, you can have it. Yeah, here it is. And I look at Andrew saying, you know, all we got is this little bit. But well, Lord, I've seen you do miracles before. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do mm-hmm. it. But I mean, I I do know what you did with the water. Yeah. Because remember, he was there at the wedding feast. Mm-hmm. So can you do something with this? Mm-hmm. I really have to wonder if maybe Andrew was sincere, yeah. maybe with tongue-in-cheek, I don't know, but was sincere in saying, hey, this is a little bit, Lord. What can yeah. you do with it? Well, I, I'm reminded of a, of, a, of a story of something that uh, lived through myself back in the uh, late 70s. It was my dad's first pastorate. And he got up one morning, he's like, his prayer was just, God, I want to do something special for you today. Just, just something a little out of the ordinary for you today. And we lived in an area that was very economically depressed. And so you always have people knocking on the door wanting something. And, but he had prayed that prayer that morning. And all of a sudden, it was about 9 o'clock in the morning, a knock comes on the door. And it was a gentleman looking for some money because uh, he had a wife and a child, an infant, and couldn't afford milk. 
And our church was a small church. Uh, It's what they called a home missions church in our denomination at the time. And which meant half my dad's salary came from the church, the other half came from the denomination. And it still wasn't really enough to feed a family of five. And um, anyways, it was that same situation. Here's this guy coming in and he's wanting X, Y, Z. And it was like only, it was around the 18th, 20th of the month. And... We're, he was down to his like, like his last, you know, uh, forty dollars or something like that, and that had to stretch us out for the rest of the month. And so he's had this conversation with this person, and um, then he goes out and talks with my mom about it. It's like, so here's the scoop: got this guy's looking for X, Y, Z. Mom's like, well, you know, we don't have that. He's like, before you say anything more, let me tell you about the prayer I prayed this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and he shared with mom, and mom's response was simply, well, you know, you gotta do what you feel God wants you to do. So my dad, using discernment, looked at him and said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you go get your wife and your and your infant, come back, and then we'll we'll see what we can do. Well, it got to be ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, no sign of the guy. That's like, good. I still got my money. <laughs> All's good. One fifteen, knock came on the door. There stands the guy, his wife, and the infant. So he calls them in, gets their name, writes it down, gives them the money. He goes out. Long story short, next day comes. So we now have no money right. to get us through the rest of the month. The next morning, Dad goes to the mailbox. And there in the mailbox is a letter from this woman. Her name was Vera. And she was from their home church before they went in the ministry. And she was one of those mighty prayer warriors. And the note simply said this, I was in my time of prayer at one o'clock yesterday afternoon, which would have been the day, yep. 15 minutes before the knock on the door. And while I was there, God told me you were gonna need this. So here's a check for $100. Wow. And yep. so God met the need and then some, and we still had money left over at the end of the month yep. uh, when the first of the month came back around yeah. again. So it's just, again, just a picture of this aspect of, I want to do something special, but then when reality hits, yep. it's like, uh, can well, we can really? I, can you know? I really? Yep. And, uh, so. you know, and, I, and I think that that's the same picture that we find here. Um, as I go, once again, through the other Gospels, you know, in, in Mark 6, 36, the disciples said, send them away. Let them buy their own food. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Matthew's Gospel, send them away. We can't take care of them. Um, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, that is sometimes the response in which we give. There's nothing I can do to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, I got $5 in my pocket, but that's for me. And what does Jesus say? No. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I can take care of that. Mm-hmm. And so, so Jesus, you know, does not send them away as the disciples wanted him to do. As a matter of fact, he even says, oh, I want you to, to go and have them all sit down in groups. Mm-hmm. Groups of 50, groups of 100. I know Luke only mentions a group of 50. And have them sit down because we're going to take care of their needs. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine, you know, the disciples going and saying, how's he going to do, how's he going to pull this off? Mm-hmm. Have you ever asked yourself that? You get into a situation, and you have to look up into heaven and say, God, how are you going to pull this off? Mm-hmm. But I just know you will. Somehow you're going to do it. And he certainly did it here, too. Yep. You know, I mean, he blessed the food, and he, and he did it. But his disciples said, send them away. Send them away. How often do we do that? Mm-hmm. 
Lord, we, we don't have it. We just don't, so send them away. Instead of really trusting the Lord and saying, God, I know that you will supply. Mm-hmm. You know, you promised you'd supply my every need. Yep. Not my every want, but you will supply my every need. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly I think this is a, a lesson for the disciples to learn here. So here back in John chapter John chapter 6, so we have that. Philip goes and, and, and says, we don't have enough money. Andrew goes and says, here, Master, here's five loaves and two fishes, and I don't know what you're going to do with it, but I know you can do something, right? We got that in verse 9. There is a lad here which has five barley loaves, two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Mm-hmm. How often do we ask that? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe how often do we even ask that amongst ourselves? Mm-hmm. What am I amongst this crowd yeah. of people? I'm one. Mm-hmm. How many of us have allowed us being one to scare us into doing nothing? Mm-hmm. Instead of me being one. You know, I heard something a long, long time ago. This is as a young Christian. And there was a a preacher preaching. And he said, no, I know what it was. I was in Boston. I was at a pastor's conference. And this little, little, tiny, petite gal. I don't think she was five, uh, four, six. I mean, she was tiny. She wasn't a midget, but she was very, very tiny. And she would get up and she'd take the microphone and in a very sweet voice says, God gave me a ministry. I go into all the law firms in Boston. I make appointments just so that I can share the gospel with them. Hmm. Now you may ask, what can one petite little woman do? Let me give you the answer. God and I are a majority. Mm-hmm. And I really, I have never, ever forgotten it. Her name is Ann Kimo. Mm. And I never, ever forgot that. God and I are a majority. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that's a lesson that he wanted yep. to teach his disciples. Hey, guys, guess what? Five loaves, two fishes. Guess That is like an ocean full for me. That is like a, a bakery full of food mm-hmm. for me because I can do anything. Yep. You know, and, and I think that we as Christians need to have that mindset mm-hmm. that I can't do anything, but the Christ in me can do all things. Mm-hmm. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us, right? Yeah. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Mm-hmm. It all has to picture on Christ. And that's what these guys had to learn. Mm-hmm. Master, what we have is nothing. But then again, with you being in it, we got everything. We have everything because yeah. obviously he was able to feed all the people and they even have 12 baskets left over so the disciples could eat, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I just, yeah. I just find that so very interesting. Yeah. So, And what I can't help but think too yeah, is this aspect, again, as you said, you mentioned about the Passover. Um, and so you've got now he's working with bread here. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that stands out in my mind is, is he also given the disciples a little bit of a picture again of who he really is. Because, you know, there's that comment made then, this is truly the prophet who's come into the world. But what's he given a demonstration of? It's something that the Jewish people had experienced once before, actually many times before, something called manna. Yep. You know, when a whole nation needed to be fed yep. and manna rained down from heaven. Right. And there was more than enough to feed everybody each and every day. Yep. And now here Jesus is bringing a new kind of manna. Right. Uh, to this group of 5,000. 
Yeah. Which I think is just cool. I, I, I love what Jesus does in verse 10. Here's the disciples, and, I, and you just have to think of these men. They're hungry, they're tired, uh, they just want to get away from people. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know about everybody, but I'll be honest with you, there are days that I just like to sit in my sitting room by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, you just need to get away from people. And I'm sure that that's the way that these disciples were mm-hmm. doing. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said in verse 10, make the men sit down. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, guys, don't send them away. Have them sit down and get comfortable because we're going to take care of them. Yeah. yeah and, we're going to be here a while. We're going to be here a while. <laughs> hey, guys, guess what? Don't put on your running shoes yet because we have things to do and we have a ministry to take care of. And, and I just so love that. He just so went against their mentality uh, let's hurry up and get out of here. We're hungry. We're tired with this. And no, we're going to be here a while. And I wonder how many times God wants to do that in this church. Mm. People are saying, you know, the restaurant's going to close in an hour, you know, or whatever. And God says, relax. You're going to be here a while. You know, because mm-hmm. I got something I need to do in your life. And and I just see this with this, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so, the, so, but to the credit of the disciples, there's not a one of them in any of the four Gospels that I find argue with Jesus. Right. Every one of them went and did as he had said. We find that in verse 10. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in numbers about 5,000. So they, as much as they it went against what they were thinking, they did mm-hmm. it anyway. Why? Because the Master had spoken. Yeah, you know, and I, to me, that's a great lesson for all of us to learn. You know, I may be thinking this, I may be wanting this, I may be desiring that. Hey, hurry up, let's get out of here. And Jesus says, "No, I got something to teach you." Mm-hmm. You know, and to to submit to Him and say, "Okay, Lord, what have you got for me?" Mm-hmm. And so, so they they went, and the, and the guys, the men sat down. This is about five thousand, so that means the men, women, children, the family sat down. So what did Jesus do? Andrew, come here a minute. Give me the loaves. Give me the fish. Mm-hmm. And then he blessed it. Mm-hmm. And, and I love this. Now, could Jesus have multiplied it without blessing it? Probably. Mm-hmm. But guess what? He wasn't going to. Right. Because he wanted his father mm-hmm. to get involved in this. Yeah. You know, and so he goes and he took the bread. And when he'd given thanks, who did he give thanks to? He didn't give thanks to himself. Right. He gave thanks to the Father. He gave thanks to the Father, and he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, not just simply had a taste, had just a little smidgen. No, they were all full. I can, you know, I can almost picture and, and this is my weird personality, but I can almost picture these guys just laying there saying, oh, I can't eat another bite. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. You know, they were filled. Yep. Right? And they were, they, when they were all filled, he said to his disciples, oh, by the way, now I want you to go around all the people, and I want you to pick up all the scraps. Mm-hmm. And they picked up 12 baskets full of scraps. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Twelve. Oh, by the way, you guys are hungry? Mm-hmm. Here. Here's a basket for all of you. Uh-huh. You know, and, and I just look at that and I say, wow. Yeah. 
you know, and, and certainly there was enough in each basket that would fill them to the top. Mm-hmm. That's why I remember back in the, in, you know, the changing water into wine. Yeah. He said, fill it to the brim. Yeah. Well, that's how God fills us. That's right. I love that song. And, and we sing it often in our church. Fill my cup, Lord. I mm-hmm. lift it up, Lord. Yeah. You know, and boy, we need to pray that often, don't we? We do. Lord, fill me. Fill me, not just half full. Mm-hmm. I want to be filled to the brim. Well, we find that. They gathered up the fragments. That would nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above them that had eaten. Now, to me, that is just so neat that God did not forget his disciples, mm-hmm. but he fed them beyond sufficient. Yeah. And, and to me, that is just so, so neat. You know, um, I don't know. I just, I just, I just love what what all of this is is saying to us. You know, the disciples say we don't have enough, and then you look and Jesus says, "I'm enough. Mm-hmm. I'm enough." Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I saw a scripture verse this today, in Second Chronicles twenty verse twelve, and I don't know. Uh, maybe I can find it quickly. But Second Chronicles twenty twelve, and it's such an outstanding verse because, and I think we need it for today. Where it goes and says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But, that's my favorite word, but, right? But our eyes are upon you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I think the disciples here are saying, Lord, we don't know what to do. Right. But guess what? When we look at you, mm-hmm. you're enough. Yep. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus Christ enough in your life? Mm-hmm. Is Jesus Christ enough for me? You bet. Matter of fact, he's more than enough, you know, to fill me where I need to be filled and with what I need to be filled mm-hmm. of. I think of a song by Steve Green from back in the 80s that simply said this, you can be as full as you want to be. And that's the way it is with, with the things of God. It, we, there's no limit. He will fill you as full as you want to be. But here's the thing. What are you full of? Yeah. You know, and if we want the fullness of him, we can get more of him as we empty ourselves of more of us. Yeah. And so if you want more of him in your life, that's what it takes. It takes emptying oneself first of themselves so that he then can fill us. You know, this, uh, Wednesday night I did a teaching on Galatians 2.20. Just that one little verse. And, you know, I am crucified to Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but the life Christ which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And I, and I likened it to this. We have to live the crucified, or the, the, um, the executed life. Mm. I have to die to self. And then once I die to self, then I, I, I live the life of exercise. Mm-hmm. And I lived a life of exchange. Mm-hmm. I exchanged my life for his. Yep. There's a great song, his life for mine, his life for mine. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a great, great song that is. Yep. You know, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. Mm-hmm. And you know, so, you, so you look at all this. I'm looking at Matthew 14, verse 16, and it says this. You know, and once again, my favorite word in all the scripture is but. So it goes and says, verse 15, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, 
that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, right? Mm -hmm. They need not depart, give you them to eat. Now, this is before he's multiplied it. And I'm sure they're looking at themselves, I have nothing to give them. Right. And then Jesus says, here, let me. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you all you need to yeah. give them. And, and that's the key. Yeah, you, have, you, you only have five barley loaves. Yep. But in my hands, it's so much more than yep. that. And we need to learn to look at ourselves and our abilities and and what he's called us to do through his perspective and not our own. Yeah. How many times have you and I, and and I know you have, and I have, and I probably do this every Saturday night, Sunday morning, um, you know, when I'm preparing and I'm praying over the message, and I'm just saying, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, I just feel so inadequate to share and then after the service and I get back down to my office after lunch and I say God you're amazing mm-hmm. yeah I never could have said that and yeah I yeah. just that wasn't even that was the furthest thing from my mind but yeah. then he fills it and he says here let me feed him mm-hmm. you know and how many times do you and I go to oh, I go to him yeah. empty and he mm-hmm. brings me off full mm-hmm. well how many times even just in like I said, but when we do this, uh, we, we both do our due diligence in, yep. in research and in studying uh, these passages. But how many times uh, the largest percentage of what we bring is like the overflow? We, we, yeah. we do our five baskets, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. our five loaves, five our two loaves, fish. Right. And he, he manages to bring back baskets full. And we maybe use maybe 10% of what yeah. we've actually prepared and everything else we share is stuff that God is just giving us fresh right. in, in, in the moment. And it's learning to operate in that on a regular basis. And when we do, his life comes forth. Yeah. You know, I get us finished with this portion of Scripture. Colin's given us the high sign. But this is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. Same, same incident. And this is... Uh, uh, verses, uh, verses 12 and 13. And when the day began to wear away, they came, the twelve, and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the town and the country round about and lodge, and give victuals, and we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give them to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy. And, and then Jesus just simply says, Have them sit down. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, I give you what I have, mm-hmm. and we give the people our parishioners, our conjugants. We give them what we have, but so much more does God say. Here, I'll fill it, mm-hmm. and you'll give them much more. Well, how many times have we even had time to we preached? And had people come up to us afterwards, and they said, "Oh, I loved it when you said boom, 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 and and how how, how you stated this truth about scripture." Yeah. And then I think back to what I said, and it's like I never said that. Yeah, yeah. But but the Holy Spirit multiplied the words in their yeah. own hearts to yeah. speak exactly what it is He wanted to be said yeah. to them. And you know, one of my biggest faults, and I'll close with this, but one of my biggest faults is on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, I'll get home and say, "Man, I bombed." <laughs> I bombed. Yeah, I just wasn't happy because my wife keeps saying, "Don't beat yourself up. It was great." But then somebody during the week would say, "Pastor, it was a great message. It spoke to my heart beyond measure." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Really? 
<laughs> you know, okay. But but that's who got it, and that's what I get out of this mm-hmm. portion of scripture. Hey, you give them what you got, yeah. and guess what? You will have a lot more than what that's you it. think you have. That's it. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. We're going to look further into chapter six of John next week. I'm Pastor Harold Noyce, pastor of the Community Christian Church. We're located on the Lower Road in Athens, Vermont. We have morning worship at 9.30. We have evening worship at 6. We have Tuesday night Bible studies. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting. If you're in the area, if you're visiting Grafton or someplace and you'd like to uh, come in fellowship with us, please, please, please do. We'd love to meet with you. Or if you're in the Charlestown, New Hampshire area, come join us down at Life on Main at the old, at the, <laughs> the old place, right, at the, <laughs> at the Senior Citizen Center uh, there in Charlestown at uh, 223 Old Springfield Road. And that's where I get the old from. It's not that they're old people. I is one, but that's okay. Uh, but 223 Old Springfield Road right there in Charlestown. Every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, we have coffee hour, and then we have our service at 11. Time in the Word, great time of music together. Also, we have cottage prayer meeting at our house at 276 Main Street in downtown Charlestown, right there on Route 12. And you're welcome to join us for that Wednesday nights at 630. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the broadcast. Uh, you can tune into this broadcast on a lot of the different community television stations along the Connecticut River Valley between New Hampshire and Vermont, as well as in Keene, New Hampshire now. Uh, you can also find us on social media, whether it's on YouTube, Heart, and find Heartline on YouTube, as well as on Rumble, Truth Social, and on Facebook as well. And we are also on most popular podcast providers, so get the word out. Hopefully, we'll see you next week and talk more in John chapter 6.